Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. On today's episode, Return on Disenfranchisement. How decades of employer abuse have created a fatigue and frustrated workforce. And the most recent example of CEO hubris. Let's get into it. It's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. On today's episode, uh, return on disenfranchisement. I take an example from Wayfair CEO Naraj Shah of an email that he sent out to his staff for the holidays, and I show how it's one more example of employer abuse and how it's created a fatigue, a fatigued and frustrated workforce. Before we get into it, though, I want to remind you that this uh, show. This blog and this whole universe are powered by your support. Please go over to whatamimaking.substack.com today and sign up for a paid subscription. You can join up and be a paid subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can join up with a monthly membership, a yearly membership, or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can jump on there and become a founding member. We are trying to get uh, our subscriber numbers up so that I can continue to do more and more work on the blog. Again, I appreciate all of your support. Thanks so much. Let's get into the uh, the article. Wayfair CEO Naraj Shah recently sent a holiday email to his employees as he ended the calendar year. The memo was nothing more than an uninspired screed of personal validation from another in a long line of overpaid emotional infants running major firms who seem to have no grasp of actual life or apparently any shred of self-awareness. To begin his year-end email, Shah does not bother to, to thank his staff or compliment them for another year under their belts. He hops right into his sole point of reference, his first-person point of view. As happens repeatedly throughout the memo, Shaw begins the opening paragraph with, I. It's a reasonable way for one to expect Shaw to start his manifesto, as it's clear that he sees himself as the lone savior at Wayfair, despite the company losing more than $400 million in just the second and third quarters of 2023 combined. As you'll see in the full memo that I'm about to read, along with a full set of notes for translation and deeper understanding, Shaw expects his workers to suffer longer hours, provide additional value at every moment for no additional compensation, and to help him in cutting costs at every turn. In essence, Shaw would like his staff to do most of his job for him. Let's have a look at the transcript, shall we? Hi, everyone. I thought I would take a minute to share some thoughts that I've had recently. As we work our way through the holiday season, it is really encouraging to see that we are back to winning. Winning feels good and is a great reward for all of our efforts. Our market share is growing nicely, our repeat is increasing, our suppliers are leaning in, and we are profitable. This is something to be very proud of. What the fuck does winning even mean, Naraj? Are you beating Joybird or Ashley or some other furniture manufacturer at a game of wiffle ball? Did you guys win the Fantasy Baseball League this year for CEO dipshits? 
This is a huge part of the problem with corporate culture. It's been built up into this mentality of conquest and victory and athletic prowess. Stop behaving like a middle school volleyball coach and be a fucking adult. You are one of the few people winning here in Arash. Everyone else is trying to eke out a living, you clueless hack. To continue with the memo. That said, while we have worked hard to get back to the execution-oriented, hard-working, frugal, customer-oriented culture that we have had for most of our history, we still have some work to do to make sure we get that fully back. And this is what I want us all to do to push on in the weeks and months to come. One point I think is important to make is that winning requires hard work. I believe that most of us, being ambitious individuals, find fulfillment in the joy of seeing our efforts materialize into tangible results. And this is in bold, just so we're clear. This is really important from Naraj. Working long hours, being responsive, blending work and life is not anything to shy away from. There is not a lot of history of laziness being rewarded with success. Hard work is an essential ingredient in any recipe for success. I embrace this, and the most successful people I know do as well. What Shaw is essentially saying here is that he doesn't want you to have a work-life balance. Yeah, he'll say the acceptable things, he'll make it seem good and polite company, but in essence, figure it out yourself. You'll be expected to work long hours, you're going to need to be right there whenever you're needed, and if you can't figure out how to do that so that it fits within your own life, you're not going to fly here, pal. Shaw goes on to mention that hard work is an essential ingredient in any recipe for success, and I would wholeheartedly agree. But what Naraj fails to grasp, or at least mention, is the human beings will at some point become inefficient and ineffective at some point, no matter how hard of a worker they are. And there are only so many days in, in the day, and life has other priorities besides work. People like Shah seem to forget that because they have time because part of wealth is time. CEOs and employers talk all the time of compensation packages and bonuses, but never seem to incorporate the value of boundaries to keep life and work at least somewhat separate. When you are responsive and attentive, it means you are always in work mode. It's difficult to be in the moment at a family dinner or a friend's wedding when it's expected that work mode is always on. Life is there, but because of work mode, it can never fully be lived. Back to the email. You may know of Narajisms that are phrases that start with, quote, Naraj said. What disappoints me is that the majority that I hear are either not true or old and no longer applicable or are taken out of context. The one I would reference here that I heard was, quote, Naraj said he doesn't think that we should work late, end quote. I would suggest that this is laughably false. Hard work is, excess, is essential for success and a key part of getting things done. Everyone deserves to have a great personal life. Everyone manages that in their own way. Ambitious people find ways to blend and balance the two. I think that is what we should all do. Look, if you're using your own name to talk about a series of phrases that you have uttered, you're a douche. Sorry, this is a hard and fast rule and I will not be budging on it. I mean, if I started throwing around bullshit aphorisms at you and started calling them Matty Grams, you'd rightfully mock me right out of the room. Narajisms is not only a dumb term, but it has like 11 middle school jokes attached to it just waiting to be told. I'll leave those to your imagination. Narajisms. If Naraj needs you to work late once in a while, that's totally reasonable. 
There are projects, emergencies, staffing shortages, and all sorts of other reasons why Wayfair or any agency might need some extra time from an employee once in a while. The problem is that it has become corporate expectation to get 50 or 60 hours a week for many employees week in and week out. 60 hours a week isn't working extra. This is you doing one and a half jobs. This is where Naraj and his friends are fucking you. You work 60 hours a week and you get counted as one employee. You get one salary. Dave also works 60 hours a week over in accounting. He also gets counted as one employee. Now, you and Dave are doing the same work you used to do in 40 hours. And you're also splitting the work of Sarah, who left last month to have a baby. And Sarah's not coming back, and you and Dave need to pick up the slack permanently. So now Naraj gets the work of three people done for the cost of two. And he just asks you to work a little harder on your work-life balance. We had a word for that where I was growing up. It was called theft. Naraj is stealing that third paycheck from you, and then he's having the balls to tell you you're winning. No, he is winning. You are working harder for less. He's a winner. You're a chump. Back to Naraj. I heard another Narajism yesterday, douche, which was, quote, Naraj said that we cannot recruit from Google, Amazon, or Walmart. I'm not even sure where that would come from since so many of our senior leaders are from these places. Again, false. I would encourage you to run any Narajism, douche, that sounds odd by me. I am happy to clarify anything, and I am sure that there are in some fact that I would support and would say that we should stick with. Ultimately, I want us to be aggressive, pragmatic, frugal, agile, customer-oriented, and smart. Use those as filters, and I think things can become clearer. I would also encourage you to think of any company money you spend as your own. Would you spend money on that? Would you spend that much money for that thing? Does that price seem reasonable? And lastly, have you negotiated the price? Everything is negotiable. And so if you haven't, then you should start there. One cost we were discussing yesterday was the cost to run Ethernet wires. In this example, it started at $1,600 a drop. At 12 drops, that would be $19,200. To run them would take two people maybe eight hours or so. I would be happy to spend a Saturday doing this with you and splitting $19,200. Basically, that price is highway robbery. Why did we get robbed? Because no one worried about the cost. That 1600 became 800 and then 300 as some questions were asked and negotiations ensued. We have this type of problem in many places. We need to root them out. And we need everyone who is at Wayfair to care. If you see wasted spend that you do not know how to fix, just let me know and I will help. This is a great way to strengthen culture. Look, Naraj, cutting costs is a is wonderful, and I'm thrilled that Naraj figured out a little problem like this all on his own. But the idea of him and a buddy dropping line all over town cracks me up. He says he's happy to split the costs of drops with a partner for a big payday, but he fails to leave out a or fails to mention a couple of rather large factors. Let's run through them. Number one, Naraj, do you have any fucking idea how to safely dig, run? and connect, and and secure cabling. Number two, are you licensed, insured, bonded, and registered with the proper authorities to perform such installations? Number three, do you have a truck to carry tons of wire as well as a massive spool to help uncoil it for easier installation? Number four, you mentioned just splitting the $19,200 with a partner. Did you plan to steal the wire, or had you not considered the costs of the actual components of the job? 
Number five, you are a man that makes more than three quarters of a million dollars in compensation before you get benefits and stock options. Your company lost nearly half a billion dollars in just six months this year. Yet here you are accusing others of highway robbery. Have you recently looked up the de definition of irony in a dictionary, you disaffected twat? And the final section of Niraj's ever-so-brilliant manifesto. And lastly, I want to encourage us all to be smart. You will encounter some things that do not make sense. Question them, and then escalate it if you encounter bureaucracy and believe that you are right. We have a lot of policies or practices that need to be refreshed, leaned out, or eliminated. Less is more. Let's find policies and procedures that do not add value and eliminate them. Let's find policies that do not make sense and adjust them. And just approach everything with first principles. You are smart. Bet on that and use your judgment. And feel free to ask me or other leaders for advice when you have a question. This will help us all win. Together, we can win much faster than we are winning now. If we all row in this direction together, let's be aggressive, pragmatic, frugal, agile, customer-oriented, and smart. Thanks for being on the team, Niraj. I have a cost-cutting measure for you, Niraj. You currently make at least seven times what your average employee makes before you get your healthy stock options. How about you work for free and you hire seven more people? You're clearly not worth your salary. It's hard to figure out just how much you've lost on your watch, but based on my quick calculations, it looks like it's well more than a billion dollars. It seems like highway robbery to me that you get paid at all. Maybe seven more people could help take the stress off of Dave and accounting now that Sarah's gone. Besides, you said it best. Working long hours, being responsive, blending work and life, it's not anything to shy away from. There is not a history of laziness being rewarded with success, Niraj. So maybe... Stop typing emails that start with I and start getting to some actual work. Someday you'll be back there with the makers again, buddy. You'll be on top again. You'll be winning sooner than you know it. You just need to work harder, leaner, and smarter. Oh, and perhaps you should try a bit of empathy, humility, and tact while you're at it. Cheers. Matty C.